Okay. <laughs> well, I am excited to, uh, to be speaking again um, today. I hope that, uh, I hope, well, my prayer today is that the Lord speaks through me because I have, I've transformed and changed my sermon up probably about five or six times because I had so much I wanted to say and so much I wanted to share with you because God really is, and you, a lot of you in here know God is moving. God is doing a lot. So are you guys with me today? You guys still awake? You guys can still hear me after my drum playing? Yeah, that's good. That's awesome. Uh, before I got into the message um, today, uh, can we just give a hand to the children's ministry really quick? They are, they are really working double time to implement curriculum, to, to really pour into our children's and our young people's lives. Uh, one of the beautiful things that she was saying was that we not only have the, this amazing curriculum that is energetic, it's lively, it's relevant, but it's all the way from, from K, kindergarten, to high school. And it's, and it's, and it's appropriate for the age group. Um, and I think that's powerful because we want to be sharing the same message throughout all age groups. So uh, just thank you uh, for supporting that in prayer. Um, I wanted to take a moment here before I got into the topic for today uh, and welcome all those online. Thanks for joining us today. Really appreciate it. I wanted to encourage you. There's so much discouragement on the planet right now. I mean, just, just wake up, go outside, turn on the TV, right? There's so much discouragement and I, I want to just speak some life over you if you don't mind. Would you guys like that? So some of you have not heard in a long time that you are going to be just fine. You're going to be okay. How do you know that? He does. <laughs> if you're in Christ, you know, he knows that. You're going to be okay. Whatever you might be going through, you are not alone. He is the God who sees you. He is the God who hears you. He's the God who loves you. Amen. Now, I went to a Pentecostal church out in New England, so I need some talk back. <laughs> That's right. People preach more than the preacher. <laughs> you are not your past. You are not enslaved to your past any longer. God has set you free from that. You can learn from it for sure. But God has a plan for you. He has a plan to prosper you, not to harm you. He plans to give you hope in the future, as the scripture says. That's right. Another way that I encourage myself even, and I hope that I encourage you today, is to enter with thanksgiving, right? When you are just going down in the dumps, when you are frustrated, when life is beating you up, thankfulness does something, does something. I was coming down from Redding, um, California from a Jesus Culture conference several years ago, and amazing conference. Fire of God fell, presence of God, worship was just outstanding. It was amazing. We had breakout sessions. We're driving home, my wife and I and a friend in the back, and, you know, we're frustrated, we're hangry, uh, road rage is starting to creep up, the inner Boston Hamilton's coming out a little bit, get out of the way, that kind of thing. And out of nowhere, my beautiful wife's like, you know what, let's just give thanks to the Lord. And I'm like, I don't want to give thanks right now, you know, but I'm like, okay, let's give thanks. So we started giving thanks, and I'll tell you what, all of a sudden, the presence of God filled that car. 
I'm not kidding you. This wasn't something manufactured. The presence of God, the holiness of God filled that vehicle. And I was speaking in tongues. We were just going for it. I was extolling him in, in worship and song. Daryl Lee was praying. The girl in the back, our friend, was just sobbing her head off, just getting touched by the presence of God. All because we started giving thanks. We got our eyes off of our situation and off of our frustrations. We started giving thanks. The Bible says, enter his gates with thanksgiving. thanksgiving. That's right. So we did that. Another way is God's promises. Reminding ourselves of God's promises. I want to speak a, a few of those. But when I find that when my failures seem to outweigh my faith... When my shame starts to build up inside of me, when I feel unworthy or just distant from God, I have to choose now to remind myself of God's promises, right? You've been there. Those of you who been walking with the Lord for a while, you've got to stand on those promises. You said it's not transactions, it's promises, right? The Lord God is in your midst, This is Zephaniah 3.17. I don't have the scripture. I'm just speaking this up uh, over you guys. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will exult over you with loud singing. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. For I am sure of this. Here's a good one. I'm sure of this, that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, height, nor depth, anything in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Is that a good word? That is a good word right there. See what kind of love the Father has given us that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. Isabel was preaching the message a little bit about law. Uh, and we're going to get into that. But before we get into my message, can we stand to our feet and just pray really quick? Let's go ahead and stand up. You guys shake off the weight of the week. Come into the presence of God, and let's lift our hands. Lord, we thank you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, for being here with us today. We come humbly before you to surrender our hearts, attitudes, intellect, our criticisms, our agendas, and our very lives. We want to receive what you would have for us today. Use me, little Josh Hamilton, as your vessel to speak your word and unleash your power today for healing, deliverance, breakthrough, salvation in Jesus' name. And everyone said, all right, you may be seated. It's a little like Catholic Church. I wanted to make you guys feel a little more comfortable. So next next move is kneel down. (laughs) Two weeks ago, Dennis preached a wonderful sermon on positioning ourselves to receive. And that was a powerful word, um, spoke to me tremendously. Um, Two of the points that stuck out to me was Zacchaeus climbed up in a tree so he could see Jesus walk by. He positioned himself, ended up having dinner with the Lord. Salvation came to that house. Amen. The disciples were instructed to wait or position themselves in Jerusalem until they were clothed with power, the promised Holy Spirit. So sometimes positioning means wait means wait on the Lord. Mark, last week, preached a sermon on receiving, not only that, but expanding your territory and your sphere of influence. What is your sphere of influence around you? Now that you have received from the Lord, you get to use that and pour out to your sphere of influence. 
Um, the two points that stuck out to me, Mark, were all we receive from God comes because of His grace, not our good works. It is always a pure gift. But He did tell us that we have a part to play in receiving from God. He said we need to position ourselves to receive. Paul, no, this, is a, this is the one here, Paul boasts about his weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest on him. Paul received Christ's power by boasting about his weaknesses, not his accomplishments, or even in his impressive resume. I mean, he had a very impressive resume. Pharisee of Pharisees, Hebrew of Hebrews, all that, top-notch, top student, all that stuff. He said, he said, I consider that all the loss that I may gain Christ. That's a pretty powerful statement right there. I wonder if it would ring true today in, in a lot of people. It's hard. So in the kingdom of God, taking this position of weaknesses, I think I'm on the wrong page here. Let me back up here. There we go. So boasting about weaknesses. Let's go back here. There are many things in my life, and I'm sure that are many things in your life that you would consider weaknesses, right? And I'm not just talking about sin. I'm talking about just our, our human frailty, our fallen nature per se. But why the heck would anybody want to boast about that? Right? Why? How does that benefit me or benefit you by doing that? How does it benefit those around you by doing that? Wouldn't you rather want to boast about your strengths and your accomplishments and be like, hey, look at how awesome I am, right? It feels good, especially for someone like me. I am a word of affirmation guy. I like when people tell me that I'm awesome. I like when people tell me, hey, you're doing a great job. And I'm like, thanks, man. You don't need to say that. Yeah, you do. Come on. <laughs> but as I thought, uh, as I taught several weeks ago, God opposes the proud. Can't, can't preach about your strengths like that. Can't boast about that. I don't want God uh, to oppose me, militarily speaking, as that scripture says. However, and I wrote this down because this is something that the Lord spoke to me. And we're going to get into the meat of the message here in a second. I'm, I'm setting it up for us here. However, if I receive words of affirmation, because I love it so much, through needing to pacify my insecurities, then I have now entered into the fear of man rather than the fear of God. I become a servant of the next opinion. Right? <laughs> Thanks, Mary. <laughs> right? Doesn't that ring true, though? You're just waiting for the next person, what they think about you. You're a slave to what they say. And that's not what a child of God needs to position themselves as. So in the kingdom of God, this position could be defined as being religious. My own history, my own history has proven that religion only makes me feel a sense of unrelenting guilt, shame, and unworthiness. Uh, that was daily. My Christian walk was based on performance and not striving, uh, and striving not to mess up. I'm like, okay, I can't sin, I can't sin. Don't think about the pink elephant. Don't think about the pink elephant. It was a performance thing. Ironically, the other side of the coin of that religious posture and that position is I was arrogant and self-righteous because of my performance, because I wasn't getting, well, in my, in my day, in my day, um, Back when I, before I met my wife, I, w I grew up in a Christian school, very small class, very, very re religious per se, so somewhat legalistic, 
And I compared my lifestyle to that of, you know, other people my age. Have you done that before? So because I wasn't going out and getting drunk, partying, sleeping around, I was better than those people. I was separate. I was, mm, see, look at me, God, my performance. I'm doing great. I was very judgmental about other teenagers and young people, especially the college age, because I just felt all they wanted to do was just leave home, had no accountability, freedom, yeah, party. So this arrogance came through me, or to me. What can this be classified as is coming under the law. Now the law, what is this? This is an umbrella, right? The law is just a framework pointing to something better. We think it's doing something. We think that it's covering us or, or, or keeping us safe from the elements per se, but it ain't doing nothing. It's an illusion. You like my illustration? <laughs> They're pretty cool. I thought of it last week and I was like, oh, that's a great idea. I'm going to do that. <laughs> I'm going to hold it while I continue to speak just to give a visual aid. Okay, everyone cool with that? <laughs> so what is the law? It was a ceremonial, civil, and moral laws given to Moses for the people of Israel. What was its purpose and what did it reveal? Well, if you read the law, the commandments, and the 600 other laws in the Jewish, in the Jewish law, it, it reveals our sins. It reveals our sinful nature, shows us our imperfections and God's perfection, our need to be made right with God, how impossible it is and was for us to save ourselves by works. Why would you believe it if I said, uh, let me see, would you believe if I said that there's some good to that, right? There's some good to exposure, per se with your sin and with, with your weakness. Why? Well, I'll tell you why. Romans 7. Let's turn to Romans 7, verses 7 through 12. What then shall we say? Is the law sin? Certainly not. Indeed, I would not have been mindful of sin if not for the law, for I would not have been aware of coveting if the law had not said, do not covet. But sin, seizing the opportunity through the commandment, produced in me every kind of covetous desire. For apart from the law, sin is dead. Once I was alive apart from the law, but when the commandment came, sin sprang to life and I died. So I discovered that the very commandment that was meant to bring life actually brought death. For sin, seizing the opportunity through the commandment, deceived me and through the commandment put me to death. So then the law is holy, the commandment is holy, righteous and good now there's there is the good side to the law you guys still with me here cool but here's why it just can't stop there there's some goodness to it It just can't stop with religion it can't stop with like just being you know doing the religious task list romans 3 19 through 20 now we know that whatever the law says it says to those who are under the law so that every mouth may be silenced and the whole world held accountable to God. Therefore, no one will be declared righteous in God's sight by works of the law. Rather, through the law, we become conscious of sin. Does that make sense? We'll continue on here in the word Galatians 3.10. 12 says, all who rely on the works 
of the law are under a curse. Ouch. Deuteronomy 27 talks about that. For it is written, cursed is everyone who does not continue to do everything written in the book of the law. Now it is clear that no one is justified before God by the law because the righteous will live by faith. The law, however, is not based on faith. On the contrary, the man who does these will live by them. And, and just to bring the point home a little bit more about being conscious of sin and, and the law bringing life to that, whoever keeps the whole law but stumbles at just one of these is guilty of breaking all of it. For he has said, do not commit adultery. also said, do not murder. If you do not commit adultery but do commit murder, you will become a lawbreaker. So you're, you're guilty if you sin at just one of the laws. Right? You'd be guilty. So, if being positioned under the law cannot possibly, by our own human weakness, struggles with sin and temptation, you can't be made perfect. Cleanse yourselves or make yourselves right with God. As the apostles said, remember what, what Jesus said? He, uh, where was it? And they're about the rich man. He said, it is easier for a rich man or a camel to go through the eye of a needle than it is for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. Now, is that just talking about money? Probably somebody who relies on that as their salvation. I mean, he was very wealthy. The boy he was talking to was very wealthy. He said, great, you obeyed this, you obeyed that. I did all of it, God. Still one thing you lack. Go sell everything and then follow me. Oh, walked away all disappointed. So after sharing that with his apostles, uh, Jesus said, with God, it's well, with God it's possible. With man, it's impossible. They said, who can be saved? How can anyone change their position? Well, I've got some good news for you folks. Are you ready? There's another way that's been made, av made available to you. Romans 3, 21 through 24, but now apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference between Jew or Gentile for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified freely by his what? His grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. That's a good word right there. I'm a man of the word. I'm going to read more scripture. Can we do that? But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in trespasses. It is by... You have been saved, and God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms... In Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might display the surpassing riches of his grace, demonstrated by his kindness to us in Jesus. For it is by, one more time, grace. you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves, it is a gift of God, not by works, so that nobody can boast. God's in a good mood. We must come under grace. The framework of the law pointed to the complete package. It pointed to Jesus' provision on the cross, your salvation, your forgiveness of sin, your new life, your eternal life. Come under 
grace. Is that good news? I think so. So coming out from under the law and coming under grace, since doing more and trying harder won't get you there, a new way has been made available to you by the grace of God. Now, great, there's the eternal salvation aspect. God took care of our sins on the cross of Calvary. Amen, that's good news. What do we do in this moment while we're here on the earth? Since we are children of God, we are now ambassadors for Christ on the earth. How can, how can we be ambassadors if we are constantly working and trying to, you know, we don't have power? Well, I'm going to tell you something right now. God's grace is an active substance in your life. What else does God's grace do? Well, here we go. Grace empowers you to live a godly life even in the midst of weaknesses and trials. It's His grace. It's His grace that allows you to move forward in freedom from shame, from guilt, from things that have kept you bound before. It's His his grace that empowers you. Grace has the power to make circumstances, in my experience, at my old job, in in this position here at the church, in life and relationships, His grace in situations it makes it smooth for some reason. It makes it go by a little bit easier, you know, because you have all of heaven backing you up, the resources of heaven. Grace positions you to receive God's best for your life. Now, I want to speak a little bit more on the grace positions you to receive God's best for your life. Before I was married, remember I was judgmental. I was a, a little Pharisee. And um, I met Dara Lee. Uh, I was in a band called Eastern Sky, as a Christian heavy metal band. And I was the guy that screamed. <laughs> I was the guy that would go up to the microphone, like, amp, put on the amp, and ah! I would be that guy. So. <laughs> Can you picture it? Yeah, no. (laughs) I would jump off Marshall's stack, so we were all choreographed, and we put on a good show. (laughs) But, uh, you know, we thought we put on a good show. We were like, yeah, we're so awesome, man. We probably sounded so terrible (laughs) when I think back now. (laughs) But hey, man, we were loving it. We also led worship from time to time. I'm, yeah, yeah. Um, I met Dara Lee in Connecticut, and, you know, her, her, prior to me, she had a life. She had a past, you know. <laughs> Wait, your life didn't start when you met me? What? <laughs> it was different than mine. Like I said, I was in my little Christian bubble. She wasn't in a Christian bubble. And, you know, there, there came a, a, a conversation between her and I when we were still friends, but I was entertaining the idea. I want to I wanna court this young woman. And, uh, you know, uh, some conversations happened about the past. And I noticed it was a lot different than what I was expecting and what I was, you know, initially hoping for. And so from there, all of a sudden in this conversation, I felt like, uh, 
I don't know if I can I don't know if I can move forward in this because of that you know circumstance threw her off she's like what the heck you call yourself a Christian and you're you know getting all judgmental and stuff so I quickly ended the call and you know (laughs) it's not good (laughs) but the inner judgmental Pharisee almost pushed God's best out of my life he was gracious to speak to me and literally changed my heart that evening I was laying in bed, tossing and turning, just thinking about the whole situation. And this is what he said to me. He said, you are going to miss my best for you if you don't choose to forgive her like I've forgiven her. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so I was like, okay, pride. He spoke more about his mercy. He spoke more about new creation you know, and how he, he made her a daughter of God. And how dare I hang something over somebody's life that of who they used to be when Christ made them clean. He rebuked Peter in the same way. When the sheet, with the image that he had with all the meat on the, on the sheet, coming down from heaven, he's like, no, I'm, I'm not going to eat that, Lord. No, God's like, don't call unclean what I've made clean. So from there... I uh, obviously, 16 years later, two children later, the grace of God is still manifesting in my life with his best. Now, there's a caveat to this grace. Now, it's not, it's not like you, you go from being under the law to under grace, and then all your problems go away. Vote for Pedro, and I'll make all your dreams come true. Some of you may have gotten that reference. <laughs> Napoleon Dynamite, yeah? Okay. <laughs> yes, God's grace does empower us to do His will, live a godly life, as well as position us to receive His best. But we need to understand that we still contend with our old nature. That's our sinful nature. We contend with it because on this side of heaven, we still are here in the world, the fallen world. There's still a devil He's the prince of the power of the air. We see it all over the place, right? So when you become a Christian, I'm going to rapid fire here. When you become a Christian and give your life over to the Lord, he comes into your heart, forgives you of sin, cleanses you, reveals his love, makes you a new creation, gives you his Holy Spirit. You, become, you move from death to life. Praise the Lord. We still have flesh and bones, a mind, will, and emotions. We live in a fallen world, and the enemy, Satan, is the prince of the power of the air. We are not of this world any longer as believers, saints, right? You have been translated from death to life. You are now a citizen of heaven. You are seated with Christ in heavenly places in the spirit. That's where you are currently in the spirit positioned, hidden in Christ. Feels good. But we have a mind, a body. We're here on the earth to be ambassadors for God. So all the more reasons that we need God's empowering grace. So going back to that little caveat between the sinful nature and then now our new creation, our new life that has been made alive in us is Romans 7. Paul talks about this. So this is the principle. This is verses 21 through 25 if you have your Bibles or a TV. This is the principle I have discovered. 
when I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law, but I see another law at work in my body, warring against the law of my mind and holding me captive to the law of sin that dwells within me. Doesn't, has anyone ever had that kind of struggle before? You want to carry out good in your life? You want to do God's will in your life? But for some reason, you just can't or you stumble again. You fell again. I know that I've, I've been there many times. But His grace, He's so gracious to bring us back, to toss our sins, to toss our weaknesses from the east to the west. What a wretched man I am, what Paul says. Who will rescue me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Christ has delivered us from slavery to the sinful nature and has given us his divine nature. So here's another icing on the cake of God's empowering grace. Romans 8, 1 through 4. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For in, you said this, Isabel, this morning. For in Christ Jesus, the law of the spirit of life sets you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do in that it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful man. He became sin who knew no sin. As an offering for sin, he thus condemned sin in the flesh so that the righteous standard of the law might be fulfilled in us. who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Does that make you feel good? knowing that it's not by your works, but it's by the finished work of the cross. It's by the grace of the Lord Jesus. His willingness to go and die on your behalf to pay the penalty for your sin. So, come out from underneath the law. The incomplete just the framework of what God really was getting at. He was really trying to get you to come under His grace. We don't live under the law anymore, or shouldn't. That religion, that old way of doing things, that just brings death. It's just a constant reminder of your failure, just a constant reminder of your weakness. But God being rich in mercy, God being rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. So, I am all about application. I am all about taking the word of God and seeing what he wants to speak to. Did did you all get something out of this this morning from just hearing it? Amen. Yes. So today, if you find yourself under the law, trying to earn God's love through works, or just get by by being a good person, you know, we've all heard that evangelistic thing before, where it's just like, oh, I try to be a good person, you know, do all the do all the things. I go to church on Easter, I go to church on Christmas, I try to, you know, just be nice. 
that's, you know, that won't, that won't cut it. We need, we need a, an atonement. We need an ambassador on our behalf. That was Christ who did that. So turn away from that old pattern of thinking. Come out from under the law because this is a free gift. This is a free gift of grace for you today. Will you step out? Will you come under grace? Will you let go and let God? This invitation is, I know it's, it's kind of a, a more of a salvation call, but I would say even as a believer, I have come under the law as well. I have stepped out of God's grace and I've moved into a position of, of being judgmental. This is an invitation for those that have sort of slipped out from being under grace. It's time to turn away from that and come and receive the grace. So let's go ahead and close our eyes real quick and have the Lord search your heart. And then we'll, we'll get into a time of, of, uh, of prayer. I want to leave room for praying for the sick this morning. I want to leave room for praying for grace for us to have that revelation. Mm. Lord, we, we want to receive your grace. And so we ask, Holy Spirit, that you would move in our midst this morning. Move, move in our midst. Touch our hearts. Search them. See if we have come under the law. And, we have, and we're stepping outside of grace. Show us where we can make that shift. And I pray for evidence this morning. As you move in hearts, as you bless minds, show them your mercy. Reveal your forgiveness, your grace this morning, Heavenly Father. We thank you, Lord. We thank you. So those that uh, are feeling the Lord move um, on their hearts right now, we can keep our eyes closed, but those that feel like they need to make a recommitment, that you've recognized that you have come out of grace and under law and you haven't been empowered by God's grace, you've been just barely hanging on by the skin of your teeth, trying to make it happen, thinking that, if I do more, try harder, God will love me more and bless me more. It's a transaction, and that's not it. Why don't you go ahead and just slip your hand up? We'll pray with you. Amen. See your hands. That's awesome. God, we thank you. We enter your gates with thanksgiving. Jerry, if you wouldn't mind maybe coming up and just kind of noodling on Great Are You, Lord, that would be awesome. I want to invite the prayer teams down front, uh, but before I do that, what are we sensing right now in this, in this room? What are you feeling right now? Yes, absolutely. Come on, Hope. Hope Ator wants to share a word. Yeah. Um. 
another way that you can apply this, I think, because um, I think a lot of us sit here and know that salvation is by grace and not by works. Um, but one way that I found that it manifested in my own life when you see it in a little bit different way is um, when I got sick, and when I got sick over and over again, I found myself asking God why. And the reason I found myself asking God why is because in the back of my mind, I thought if I lived as righteously as I possibly could, as per- performed as perfectly as I possibly could, it protects me from these things, right? Mm. So I was like aghast. Wow. How could this happen when I'm trying to live a righteous, righteous life? And I realized, I thought back to when I was in Bible college years ago, and there was a school of thought that I'll throw out there to you that maybe you're operating under that I realize now was an erroneous school of thought was this whole hedge of protection doctrine, which is partially true. You don't want to throw it all out. But basically what this hedge of protection doctrine was, it's like um, all pain, trial, trouble comes as a direct result of our sin. That if we live perfectly under God's hedge of protection, nothing wow. bad will ever happen to wow. us. Wow. The, the grain of truth in there before things go off the track is, yes, sin is the reason. Generalized sin from Adam and Eve all the way down to us is the reason why bad things happen. But, and, and also, there are natural consequences of sin in our life. If you steal from your work, you're going to go to jail, right? That's, that's not God or the universe punishing you. That is natural law. But where we get off is when we think that if we perform well enough for God, bad things are not going to happen to us. That's and that true. is, That's I realized true. in that instance, I was living under the law. I thought I had this tra- transactional relationship with God, that if I did everything perfectly, my life will be perfect. Well, guess what I have found out? If you guys have known me long enough, you know that it doesn't work out that way. And that um, there's a bigger bigger picture issue is that his grace is there that what I realized was when you look closer at the Bible sometimes when we're in a charismatic church uh, we fail to realize that bad things happen even whenever you're trying your hardest bad things happen even when you're serving your heart out and you're loving God with all your heart and the Bible doesn't say they won't the Bible says he walks with us through the valley of the shadow of death that is his provision of grace for us And so I just want to encourage all of us um, who are walking with God. We do what we do for God because, number one, we love him. Because as the book of Proverbs shows us, it's wisdom. I mean, there are natural consequences for the things that we do do and we don't do. Um, But it's not like God is so impressed by the things that we're doing that he's going to suddenly say, oh, well, she's done so great this week. I'm finally going to release that healing in her life. Before it wasn't quite good enough, but now she's just, I'm so impressed. I'm going to do it. That is not how God works. Wow. His love is in his provision and all these things in his will are irrespective of our performance. There you have it. Prayer teams, would you, uh, would you mind coming down, those of you that, uh, that can pray? I really want to take that further. I want to take this further, if you would be willing to do that with me. I just want to create an invitation for you to step out of your comfort zone, step out of performance mode, and come under the grace of the Lord. 
and I'll read just a portion of Scripture before we open up the altars here. God knows you personally. God sees you. Young ones, He sees you. He knows, he knows you. He has a plan for you to prosper you and not to harm you. So, O oh Lord, you have searched me, and this is how God knows you. You have searched me, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Better a word is on my tongue before a word is on my tongue. You know it completely. You hem me in behind and before. You have laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to obtain. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me, and the light become night around me, even the darkness isn't dark to God. The night will shine like the day. The darkness is as light to you. And here we go. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. When I was woven together in the depths, you, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me, for me, for you, were written in your book before one of them came to be. So, let's come out from under the law. Let's come out from under that performance, trying to get God's attention and affection. Come under his grace. Come into his love, because he loves you. He loves you. Let's stand and pray, and then we'll open up the altars. Oh. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we worship you. Can we give him thanks right now? Hallelujah. We worship you, God. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for your mercy, God. We pray that healing be unleashed in our midst today. We pray for baptisms of the Holy Spirit to be unleashed today in Jesus' name. We come out from under the law because, Jesus, you came to complete it. You came to fulfill it finished work of the cross and you promise us the Holy Spirit who is in our midst today to move and to work and to set the captives free amen amen well bless you guys why don't we just continue we've got several minutes uh, we can continue in worship and Mark if you want to uh, to address or say anything yeah, go I just for it. got a what I think is a prophetic word there's at least one person maybe a couple um, you have been continually confessing the same failure to God over and over and over again, but you've never had a